everyone! Welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours, where we take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus. My name is Cassie, and I'm here today with Nathan and Hope, Hello. two people who I really enjoy working with. Thanks for joining us, Hope! Uh, so today we're going to follow up our conversation from last week on mental health with a conversation about emotional health. Uh, if that phrase is unfamiliar to you, emotional health is about having a good understanding of emotions and the ability to express those with vulnerability and authenticity. Our emotional health, or lack of it, affects our sense of well-being, our ability to cope with life events, and how we acknowledge our feelings and the feelings of others. Being emotionally healthy doesn't mean being happy all the time or not experiencing sadness or anger. It's more about having skills to manage the ups and downs of daily life. And since practicing emotional health is a skill, it can be learned. So that's what we're going to talk about today. As we get started, I think that even the fact that emotional health is kind of an uncommon phrase can make it seem like this is a countercultural thing that we're talking about. Especially since coming to Corvallis and OSU this last year, I've noticed that many people here really struggle with vulnerability and expressing how they really feel, or they even dismiss how they feel because they're not sure it's reasonable. I have tendencies to do that sometimes, but it seems like that's the majority culture here especially. Why do you guys think that emotional health is a real struggle for so many of us? I think one piece of it is just that like, not all emotions are fun to feel, right? Like it's not fun to feel really sad or lonely. Um, uh, I personally don't like feeling angry. Um, and there's just a number of different emotions that, that just aren't really fun to feel. And so, um, but having like, but emotional health requires us to like interact with those emotions and it can stir them up. And, um, and I think too, like our emotions uh, are often about like, especially the more intense ones are about really personal things. And so mm -hmm. it can be hard. Like if you want to talk about emotional health, you got to bring those up. And sometimes you're like, there can be fear about revisiting things or mm -hmm. maybe areas or of our life or parts of our story or different things going on that we are afraid to interact with or we just really don't want to or we don't know how or different things like that um and so um yeah or to bring you know maybe we're processing it with someone else and we're like am i is it okay do i feel comfortable and safe to bring these things up that maybe are really personal and private mm -hmm. with that person so i think those are a couple of things that um yeah it feels like not fun or uncomfortable or um, or scary even. Yeah. 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 yeah, like kind of going in line with what Hope is saying about like some emotions are not fun to feel. And emotion, uh, most of those unpleasant emotions are rooted in something like a, an idea or a thought that is unpleasant. Um, so just before this podcast, we were actually talking about cannibalism. <laughs> It's back. Nathan. Um, <laughs> and uh, Hope actually doesn't like the subject of cannibalism. She's doing okay with it, though, right now. I am. I am. Um, and for Hope, it actually just it brings up a lot of feelings that she has for various reasons. In order for her to confront those feelings and deal with those feelings, though, she on some level probably needs to confront some an idea of cannibalism in order to understand it. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're in the throes of feeling something, you really don't want to deal with the thing that makes you feel that thing. Mm -hmm. it, it's sort of this feedback loop, so to speak, of like, I feel this emotion and it's drawing me towards this thing because mm -hmm. a lot of anxieties are actually re like draw our attention to the thing that actually makes us 
afraid or yeah. worried. And then, um, uh, but we're constantly pushing ourselves away because we don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just pulling us back in. It just kind of the emotion, the 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 act of pushing against actually brings us back into it because it's another form of anxiety um, and strain. And so um, really it's emotions are the thing, are rooted in things that we just, I usually don't want to experience. Um, and we want to stay away from those things that are unpleasant. Um, but oftentimes like, the positive aspect of emotional health and dealing with those things is one, you may not be afraid of the thing or worried about the thing. And you actually may come to some resolution about those feelings and such. Mm -hmm. But, um, another reason why I think that a lot of people, um, and I think this is actually more of a, it's a reason. It's not actually very, uh, I don't know. It's a very trite explanation. I think that people have for why they don't, um, engage emotions or or deal with emotions or give much credence to emotions is because they're irrational they're illogical um which there's a few issues with that one is is that uh rationality actually comes in a lot of different forms Hmm. believe it or not everyone uses a lot of different forms of rationality every person uses many forms of rationality okay emotions are actually one way of rationalizing things So a person that's very afraid of cannibalism, for example, has actually a very good reason to not like cannibalism. Yep. Because they have a feeling. That's actually a very logical, it's very logical. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it's very reasonable. Mm -hmm. Let's use that word. When we say illogical, we're usually talking about like a very formal, logical structure of argumentation. Mm -hmm. Thing is, is that that's one form of rationality. And emotions don't typically abide to that sort of argumentation very well because mm-hmm. they're so value-oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotions tend to be very value-oriented, at least in my experience. They mm-hmm. tend to be very value-oriented. Yeah. Um, and so um, in our culture, that is very our culture has adopted a posture of saying, well, See, all of these emotions make me feel bad things, Mm -hmm. so why would I ever want to listen to them? Logic doesn't do that to me, so I'm going to favor logic. And avoid the emotions. And avoid the emotion. Mm -hmm. The thing that is, here's a reality though, notice that you're avoiding the emotions because the emotions are unpleasant. So you are using emotional rationality in order to justify your Mm -hmm. logical bias. Yeah. So you can't escape it. <laughs> that's that's more or less my point with that. Mm-hmm. The the other reason, and it, let, I, I say that, and a lot of people who are like, oh, are probably going to be up in arms, which notice you're having an emotion. Just notice that. <laughs> emotions okay? are good. Emotions Ooh. tell us something about ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And we actually shouldn't be so resistant to them, mm-hmm. but we do need to learn how to deal with them. Uh, we do need to how to, uh, um, yeah, deal with them. Another reason, sorry, I'm just going. But another reason is is that we look at a lot of the results of people's emotionality, um, and we see that they lead to very bad things. Uh, so, like, th- I personally believe in our generation currently, currently, um, emotions are associated with things like abuse. Mm-hmm. So a lot of college students having been abused as children are like 
my dad or my mom was really angry and then they hit me. And so emotions are bad. Okay, one, hitting your kids is bad. <laughs> okay, like that's very clear. Okay, the, the thing is, is that emote and what we're often neglecting or often not paying attention to is that there's actually these positive emotional experiences that lead to good things. And sometimes being angry at something is the right thing to do. Right. Being angry at someone who abuses their kids mm -hmm. is the right feeling to have in that situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Here's and another layer to this, this uh, aspect of associating emotions with negative outcomes is that they lean again into that logical sphere, thinking that logic is going to lead into truth or what's, what is good. Here's the problem with that. Having a philosophy degree, there are very, very strong philosophical arguments that lead towards the uh, belief that there is no God. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. There are very, very strong logical arguments for the belief that there is a God. Mm -hmm. Only one of those two things can be true. Yeah. Yeah. Logically speaking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm going to open a little bit of a can of worms. There are some philosophers that believe in the law of contradiction. They're a very, very small subset. Very small. That's why I didn't study philosophy. Before. Yeah, I Theater. know. Anyway. <laughs> Biology. <laughs> um, but the, so it's like, so, oh, we're favoring logic because logic is like a way of thinking and it always leads to the same results. It's like, it doesn't actually. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always lead to the same results. Similarly, emotions don't always lead to the same results. Yeah. So, I feel angry at someone abusing a kid. Mm -hmm. That's the right conclusion. And it's the same catalyst. Mm -hmm. It's not the emotion that's evil. It's, you know, the way that people are responding to it, mm -hmm. which is why we need emotional health to be able to mm -hmm. separate mm -hmm. the two things mm -hmm. yeah. and say, okay, I'm having this emotion, but I, that doesn't automatically mean I have to deal with it in a mm -hmm. certain way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so just, I'm more like, I've put a lot of thought into emotions <laughs> and logic. Yeah. And so there's, uh, having put a lot of thought into, like, logic and emotions and the relationship between those things, like, it's just really important to realize, one, you can't escape it. You're always operating in emotional states. Mm -hmm. But sometimes those emotions are actually leading you to the right things. Mm -hmm. But logic isn't always leading us to the right things. I think when I, like, think about emotions and how we respond to them, I wonder if... We're not very good at this in general because we're trying to protect ourselves. Mm. Um, like I think of, right, we were saying, you know, you might have unpleasant seeming emotions and you're like trying to protect yourself from that by not dealing with it. So you ignore it or set it to the side. Um, and I think the same is true sometimes with positive emotions, right? Like, um, like David dances before the Lord and is having this grand old time and people are like, that's weird. Right. Um, it's a vulnerable thing to be really happy even. Um, and so I think we can get caught in this loop of like, well, I have to I have to like shut down both of the extremes in order to seem cool <laughs> or to be accepted by society. Um, and then that means like we're not actually processing those emotions. They're still there. Um, and that's kind of the problem is because we have this this like lingering part of ourselves that we're denying and that's not what God intended for us to do. Um, but I think that's the way that, that we tend to process these things and like say, oh, I'm not gonna 
I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm protecting myself from that, from other people, um, maybe from God. Kind of depends. Um, but I think also we're just not taught how to process those things well. Um, it's not like you go to school and people are like, hey, today we're going to talk about how to deal with emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something you're more expected to learn through friendships and that kind of thing or your family. And probably some families do a great job of that and others don't. And we're like, I don't know. <laughs> so we kind of get to this point in college and we're like, I just I don't want to deal with anything. Um, so I think I can relate to that experience of like I really had to reteach myself what to do with feelings, especially like being an actor on stage who's supposed to have all these emotional responses to things. I'm like, okay, I feel the feeling. Now what? (laughs) Like, even in that environment, we weren't really talking about, here's what you do. We talked about how to shut it down so you can go on with your life. Mm -hmm. And that's really frustrating when Mm -hmm. you're in a position where you have to feel like heavy things every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's a lot of room for most of us to grow in this. Mm -hmm. And I I think we'll probably get on onto this a little later in this podcast but one thing i would say is you know there is this attitude of like i have to keep going i have to keep Mm -hmm. moving forward Mm -hmm. i have an objective i have a goal a a goal and the goal is more important than my Mm well-being and one thing about emotional health is actually you need to create space for those emotions like most people that have health very healthy emotional um lives tend to be very good at providing space for their emotions to happen. And they have various ways of doing that. And we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. later in this podcast. But um, as you were saying, Cassie, there's there's an attitude, I think, very much in our culture. It's like, well, I have homework to do. I don't Mm -hmm. have time to listen to the pressure. I don't have time to listen to the stress. I don't have time to listen to the feeling of being overwhelmed. I have to keep going. Yeah. And I will say there's probably times where that's true and we need to, like, just push forward. Mm Mm-hmm. But emotional health tends to always require some degree of, like, I need to take a breath. I need to create space mm-hmm. so that I can actually, like, reflect. Yeah. And so. I think that's one of the things we're challenging. Like, you just said, hey, there's this, this assumption that our emotions are an obstacle that we mm-hmm. need to barrel through to get to our goal. But, mm-hmm. like, what if we reimagined our emotions as something that helps us reach mm-hmm. our goal? Right. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things is that most of the goals that we have are actually goals that are trying to meet emotional needs in the first place. Mm -hmm. So why do most people, um, excuse me, most people are going to college right now to get a good job. They're going to college so that they can live happier lives later. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, a lot of students... A lot of students, not saying all students, but a lot of students are putting themselves through hell, literally, emotionally, so that they can have something better later, Hmm. which is very good to think about later, to plan for the future, move forward. But I'm like, what kind of damage are you doing to yourself now that you're going to maybe not have time to deal with later because you developed an attitude and a habit of just like, I just push forward, I just push forward. Mm Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I, I have observed this, and this is something very true, uh, observed by many philosophers throughout history, and uh, is very much a, a present uh, feature in the Bible of people trying to meet their emotional needs and their spiritual needs through material possession and material wealth, and they tend to not ever find it in the end. Um, and the, I, I still observe that. I, I know a lot of people that are pretty unhappy mm-hmm. and they're just like and not even just uh, not even christians but non-christians as well um just 
they're like, I, I would not call them very happy. And they don't seem to understand that they are unhappy, but they're pursuing happiness at the same time. And they don't understand that, hey, you're doing things that are making you unhappy. Maybe you should not do those things. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that leads perfectly into our next question. Like, what are some of the consequences when we stifle our emotions? Yeah. Or uh, other consequences? I mean, so something that's really interesting and um, learned in uh, a neuroscience class in my biology major was just about the way that um, our, like, like psychology interacts with the rest of our, with our biology mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that our emotions interact with our physical health. Um, and it's really fascinating. I mean, I probably many of us have experienced that feeling of kind of like, we often call it butterflies in your stomach when you feel nervous or you're sweating. I mean, the fact that we cry when we're sad, right? Like that's a physical response mm. to an emotion. Um, uh, I, if I get excited, I move faster. Many of you that are in Kyle here have seen that. That's I get great. move faster when I am excited. Um, and um, d different emotions cause different physical reactions in our body. And actually there's like a feedback loop even. So sometimes when you're feeling, my stomach is feeling upset, not for an emotional reason, but just like something else, I feel like an emotion, an emotional response because my body's used to, there's like this feedback loop. Um, so I think that's something too, is we think that our emotions are distinct from the rest of us, like mm -hmm. we can separate or we think we can separate our body from our physical and or from our emotional and mental health, but they really interact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, people get tension headaches <laughs> because they're not dealing with stress mm -hmm. or yeah. I, or it affects our digestive tract. I had a friend a few years ago that had all of these digestive issues and she was like, am I just like, do I have just a lot of like dietary sensitivities? Like, mm -hmm. um, and then she was like trying to figure it out and then realized a lot of it was just how much stress she was carrying. Um, and so I think that's one thing is it affects our physical health. Yeah. Um, if you're dealing with a lot of stress, oftentimes people have a hard time falling asleep at night or sleeping through the night or they wake up, maybe they did get enough sleep, but they wake up not feeling rested and it affects like your ability, like your ability to eat, your desire to eat, your desire to like, like your ability to eat and like digest it well. Um, and so I think, you know, when we aren't dealing with our emotions in healthy ways, that causes stress, physical stress on our bodies. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it really like, also not dealing with our emotions, like bleeds into other areas of our lives, right? Like, um, if I'm not handling my emotions about a particular relationship or how I'm feeling about maybe failing a test, mm -hmm. if I don't deal with that, it's going to start impacting my other classes and my relationships and my work. And, um, and so stifling our emotions, we're like, oh, I'm just pressing it down. And it's like, um, it's like if you have a, like a bag of water or something and you press it down you keep pressing the water has to go somewhere right or even like how do we pop you know like those um little bags of air they use to like pack um sh things that you bubble ship wrap? huh like bubble wrap even yeah. you know but like um yeah anything like that you squeeze it and the, the molecules have to go somewhere right mm -hmm. um 
And I think the other thing is it can bubble over and like you can press it down, press it down. And it's like, then suddenly you have a volcano of like emotions <laughs> blowing up everywhere and volcanic ash and, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, cause lots of problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a fun image. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, this has actually happened to me is like when we have, and this is very much in line with what Hope is saying. It's just on a different part. Uh, I think it's expressed in a different part of ourselves is, One thing that I've had happen to me is I start feeling intense emotions in one place. And when I'm unable to facilitate that emotion or those feelings, if I set them too many aside, so to speak, Mm -hmm. eventually it compounds and it compounds and it compounds. And then actually your emotions can become undistinguishable. So one thing I noted about anxiety, my experiences of anxiety a few years ago is that actually my emotions start becoming more muddy. Mm-hmm. So having struggled with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety growing up, I eventually came into this knowledge of, oh, there's this thing called emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I began like developing emotional intelligence myself and I became much more emotionally healthy and much more capable and much more positive. Um, but then what I what happened sometime later was that uh, more stressors entered in my life, knew I was going through transitions and a lot of difficulties, and there was a lot of demands me, being made of me. And eventually, like, I just hit a really big low in depression and anxiety. And I realized, and I was talking to a therapist that knows me really well, and I was just like, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And I used to be able to be like, this is what I'm feeling. What am I doing right now? And I'm like, I don't know what to do because I don't know what I'm feeling right now. It's just all muddy, muddy, muddy emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one thing is, is that one thing I would say is that it, um, when you don't know how to deal with your emotions, it turns into anxiety and anxiety has a lot of negative consequences, Mm -hmm. a lot of negative consequences. Um, And... That is, and we eventually start turning, believing that the norm of like our emotional distress or anxiety is what is normal and healthy. It's just like, that isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. It's never going to change. So this is just where I'm going to be at. Sure. It's like, well, no, that's a hopeless attitude. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're, we're Christians. We believe that God wants to restore us yeah. and it can look very different for different people. Um, but it's like, maybe you shouldn't be acquiescing to this negative experience that you're having and actually like push against it in a constructive way. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a big, a, uh, a big, um, consequence that I've found is that basically the problem just creates more of a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very true also with what Hope said of like, it has a lot of metabolic, um, and physiological impacts. Um, I know that at uh, OSU, a lot of students are actually very physically healthy. They tend to exercise much more than uh, um, students at other schools that I've been at. However, I can still tell that a lot of them experience negative emotions. And they're dealing with a lot of the physiological concerns by exercising, which is mm-hmm. really good. It's very healthy. Totally endorse it. Mm-hmm. However, I know that they still, the same problem doesn't go away. Right. It, however, physical exercise can put you in a position to actually confront those because it actually releases the tension out of your body. 
which clears the mind a little bit so you can actually process those things. Mm -hmm. But if you don't take the time to actually process those things, you're just, it's just going to come back. That's just how it works. So. Yeah, I think, like, one of the reasons we're talking about this in conjunction with mental health is what you just said, Nathan. Like, these things feed into each other. And Mm -hmm. as we work toward being healthier emotionally, that can help us deal with and, like, have good strategies for managing our mental health, too. And those things affect each other. It's really important. Um, It's crazy. God made us all one being and all these things interrelate. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think... Really just summarizing what you guys have said, like, I have had so many situations, or I did early in college, where I'm like, I am overwhelmed. And I think it was really helpful for me to realize, like, that's kind of not an emotion. Like, it's an experience, but it's a lot of emotions that I can't name. And so part of this, too, is, like, being able to understand, okay, where is this coming from? How do I deal with it? And prevent that state of being overwhelmed, where you don't really know what's going on. You're just stuck in it right um and i think this is important because when we're in that situation like or if we're trying to stifle emotions and we don't really understand okay i need to process that like we're at risk of lying to ourselves about how we're actually doing or lying to our friends you know how many people have like asked you how are you doing and you don't give them a real answer Sometimes that's like a social thing. Like we don't expect a real answer. We want people to just say that as they're saying hi. But, you know, if you never tell someone how you're actually doing and you're having a rough time, like that relationship is is suffering. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's okay for that relationship, depending on where you're at. But if you're saying that to your close friends and people who really care about you, um, if you're saying that to God, (laughs) you're like, hey, I'm fine, but you're really not fine. Um, I think that can be really damaging long term because as the longer you do that, the harder it is to actually be honest about where you're at and get help, Mm -hmm. which is a normal thing that we're expected to do as Christians, right? To lean on each other and to actually be authentic in the way that Jesus was authentic with us. So this is a big deal. Yeah. I think, you know, let's talk about Jesus, right? Jesus claims to be the truth, and I think it was Nathan earlier who was talking about how, um, you know, emotions don't always tell us what's true of reality in our lives. We look to God in scripture for that. Um, So then what role should emotions play in our lives as Christians if they don't always point us to the truth? Like, what are they for? Um, I think asking the question, actually, what are emotions for is not actually the best way. It's there's no answer to that question. Sure. Why is there no answer to that question? <laughs> it's because uh, God... Um, okay, I just, I'm just i going to tell a short story. So okay. I have a friend from Bible school, and she lives... She has a very, very logical family. Quote-unquote logical family. Um, and she... Um, often feels that when she has an argument or when she's like disagrees with her family, that they are just like, oh, you're just getting emotional. Mm-hmm. You're just getting emotional. And they discredit her ideas and her argument because they're an emotional response. Okay. I told, and I was like, I'm really upset with her family. I'm very upset with her family because I know this girl really well. And I'm like, she's actually a genuinely caring person. She has valuable things to say. And I think she's great. Mm -hmm. 
And I told, I, I told her, and I've said this many a time, I was like, here's the problem with the argument that emote, like that argument of, from a Christian family of devaluing emotions is to say like God's emotions are actually less valuable. Yeah. So what are emotions for? It's, they're not for anything. It's simply a rep, it is simply part of who God is that he imprinted upon us. Yeah. And everything about God is good. So emotions were are a good thing. Uh, they are an expression of uh, of God in us. They're an expression of God in us. But an important thing to make a distinction about is that there are people um, who le- have more of an emotion, have more emotional experiences than others, or stronger emotional experiences than others. I would say. And some people tend to be more analytical. How how. Um, the question of like how are they employed and how they're used all of these things can be good or bad mm-hmm. and they can tell us about things but that it's not really for something they're not a tool so to speak they're simply part of our being and they're what god wanted us to uh, have when he made us well something i'm thinking about so uh, Easter was just a couple weeks ago, and two days before Easter Sunday is Good Friday, um, and the day before that is is Holy Thursday, or um, I think we call it Maundy Thursday or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, and Thursday night of um, that week leading up to Easter is Jesus' last supper with his with his disciples, and also after that he goes to this garden to pray because he knows that he's about to be arrested and then he's going to be crucified. Um, and it's a very emotional, I mean, mm-hmm. it makes sense, right? Like if you know that you are about to be arrested and crucified and that all of your close friends that you've been with for three years are about to abandon you, like they like Jesus expresses all of these emotions and they make sense. Um, and I think, um, I was talking with a couple of people about that during that week. And it's just so helpful to see like, um, that Jesus expresses these emotions. Um, and he, like, his emotions are so intense as he's praying in the garden that he's, like, um, it's, like, just crying. It's, it says it's, like, his sweat, too, was, like, drops of blood. Like, that's how intense it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other times that we see Jesus in the Gospels with different emotions. And I think I just appreciate that because Nathan talked a bit about God's emotions. But I think just to, like, recognize that Jesus has emotions that, you know, like that God has emotions and that he expresses them. And, and I think sometimes it can feel like, oh, we're not allowed to express our negative emotions, especially it can feel like that in the church or in Christian communities. Um, and, and I think the thing is that we see God has lots of emotions. He Mm -hmm. has the more pleasant emotions, like being happy and, um, and, and then also this, the negative ones like anger and sadness. And, um, and so I think it's just helpful to recognize like, wow, God has these emotions. And like Nathan said, like we have these emotions cause we are made in his image. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so I think just to remember that, like God has emotions and he expresses them and I have emotions and I can express them. But also I think that's a good point. Like we uh, are different in the ways that we experience and express emotions. Um, 
I remember, as Nathan was talking about that, I remember I used to have a coworker who was very, like, non-emotional. Like, he wasn't very emotional, and he wasn't very emotionally expressive. And he was telling me about, like, um, it was a entry-level job, and so he was applying for this other job, or he was applying, I think we were in college, so he was applying for a, um, doing an interview for something, and mm-hmm. he was like, he got the position. And so we're sitting, and he's telling me, like, yeah, I got, like, he was telling me about the interview. He was like, yeah, it went really well. And I'm looking at him, and, like, his emotional expression is so low that I was like, is he really happy? Like, I can't, <laughs> like, I was just, like, there was so, such little emotional expression that I was like, should I say congratulations? Or, like, I just couldn't, I'm a very emotional person. And I was like, what? <laughs> but, um... Yeah, anyways, that just made me think of that. But mm-hmm. uh, I think, though, like, as um, as believers, like, there's a phrase my mom told me a lot, which I think is she was a part of the Kyle that the three of us did our internship with, so I'm guessing it's from Brady Bobnick, who used to direct that. Um, maybe she heard it from him, but that emotions are, are valid, but they're not necessarily real. Or, yeah. Um, not necessarily true. 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 That's true. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, that's they not quite real. They are real. <laughs> they're valid. Like, they're valid. They're not true. true. They're yes. mm-hmm. words sometimes. <laughs> we got there. Okay. They're valid. Not always true. And I think it's really helpful um, in the church um, as believers to recognize that my emotions are valid. My emotional feeling, like my emotions, my feelings in response to something, even if they don't make sense like why I'm feeling that you know like they Mm -hmm. logically don't make sense like they're valid for me to have that emotional response to that but they don't necessarily paint an accurate picture of what's happening or Um, what you should do or what you should do right like um and and I think uh, something that's really important with our emotions is that God can use our emotions to speak to us Mm -hmm. but also like to not just respond off an emotional high. Oh, I'm really excited about this thing. I'm going to go do it. Or, uh, this doesn't feel good. I'm not going to do it. Like, Jesus would not have gone to the cross if he was did it based on what felt good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wouldn't have come to earth. Like, yeah, you know? And so um, I think that was really helpful. Also, like, he could have made a lot of different choices. That would have been a lot more pleasant if he went off of what felt good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that his emotions were so valid. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think, uh, listening to them because they can help us understand what's, what's going on, how we're doing, how we're interacting with others around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and also seeing like the Lord can, um, can speak to us through emotions. Like he can, um, uh, move our heart for a person that maybe we didn't have any emotional, um, connection to before. Um, uh, he can stir our hearts for something. He can like bring up feelings of sadness, not, um, sadness because of like the brokenness of a situation, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or to, um, to feel that for somebody. And so I think, um, that's one way that God uses those emotions is to um, uh, give us compassion as well. That's mm-hmm. a big thing is that feeling of compassion um, and to move with that. So Yeah. I think a lot of the time, right, we're made in the image of God. So we have these feelings which help us understand God and the way he feels about things. 
Um, sometimes we get in the way of that because we perceive a situation differently. Um, I was thinking as you were talking, Hope, about the fourth chapter of Jonah. Um, mm-hmm. Jonah's this really reluctant prophet who's like, okay, God, I guess if you really want me to go talk to these people who I hate, I'll preach your word of salvation over them. Um, and he does this and he's so mad because they respond and they turn to God. Um, and so Jonah's like sitting and having this like really angry time with God. And God's like, is it, is it right for you to be angry? And I think he just asks that question of, hey, you know, you're having this response. Is that is that the way that you should feel right now? Um, and, you know, Jonah's himself just been saved and spared from dying and um, all these other things. And so I think God can really use that to get through to us in moments and speak truth into our lives. Whereas the emotions we're feeling like Jonah should not have been mad that God spared all these people. Um, that's a hopeful thing, but sometimes we get mad or frustrated about things that we shouldn't be or happy about things that we shouldn't be. Um, or we're attracted to someone and we shouldn't be attracted to that person, right? Like our feelings aren't always going to lead us into the thing that God wants for us. Mm -hmm. There are responses to things that we're seeing and our, our perspective is really limited. So sometimes that's the wrong response. Um, but that doesn't mean we should just shut down the feelings. Mm. I think it means we should be curious about where those are coming from and what we might be missing and what God might be seeing that we're not. Um, and God can really use those experiences to minister to us Mm -hmm. and show us how he feels about a situation. Mm -hmm. And as we lean into that, we're going to become more conformed to the Holy Spirit who's guiding us towards what Jesus and God would want ultimately in a situation. Yeah, I think one closing thought is, is like emotions, because God, and I think you said this a little bit, Cassie, is like because God has emotions and we have emotions, that's another way to know him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've I've done, I should probably do this more, is like when I see something, I'm like, actually, God, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Because this is what I feel. Mm-hmm. Is, But I'm pretty sure I'm not feeling the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And like part of part of our interior lives, part of our life and growing in our relationship with the Lord is actually to uh, calibrate our emotions according to God's Mm -hmm. sentiments, God's feelings, God's posture towards things. And so um, and I actually think about an interesting thing, an interesting thought occurred to me about the Garden of Gethsemane at one and the same time. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane feels like this intense like agony, yeah. right? And one at the same time, he shouldn't feel that way. And at the same time, he should feel that way. Mm-hmm. So it's complex. So yeah. he shouldn't feel that way because he should. Okay, let me, <laughs> sorry. He should feel that way because someone's trying to kill him. And it's an evil that is being done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that God the Father looked at what was going to happen to Jesus in a sense of like, yay. It's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty upset about this. Yeah. It is what's supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not happy about it. At the same time, Jesus is not supposed to feel that way because the Lord's will is being accomplished. God's, the Mm -hmm. Father's will is supposed to be accomplished. Mm -hmm. 
all that to say emotions are complex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if he had listened to the voice, the emotion that he had, which was completely correct in a lot of ways of like, I'm going to be murdered. Murder is bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The f- it's like th- that is the fear. That is the emotion he should have. But there was something greater than just the way to overcome that evil was to confront that evil, to have that yeah. evil, to partake in that evil. So all I'm saying, emotions are really complicated. You might have more than one response to a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that so. might be the appropriate response. Okay. One, one other thought I had in terms of thinking about emotions as our lives as Christians is the Bible actually tells us to um, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other instances too where it talks about this idea of like corporate emotional expression. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean... Oh, we all need to express our happiness in the same way in this instant, or our sorrow or grief in the same way in this instant. But this call to, um, out of love for one another and out of this supportive commitment to one another, that we um, we express emotion with that person, right? We express the the um, happiness. Um, the rejoicing um, in a moment of um, like good news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, I think about you know a f- someone having a baby, and that's a moment of this rejoicing and welcoming them in, and and, and expressing that happiness together with them. Um, that's really sacred. It's really beautiful. Um, and then also though, um, thinking about you know, a friend who experiences a miscarriage or their child dies and expressing that grief with them and mm-hmm. sitting with them in that sorrow. Um, and and our emotions help us to say, I see you in this moment, whether it is a happy moment or a sad moment or whatever that is, and um, I'm sitting here with you in that. Um, and it is a way of expressing love and care for people. Um, and, and God does that to us, right? He comes and walks with us through happy seasons and sad seasons and whatever those are. Um, and so I think there's also this aspect of um, kind of corporate emotional expression um, mm. as believers. Which is a way to honor God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. We've talked a lot about emotional health, what this is good for, right? So let's talk about how we can grow in it. Um, what does it look like for you guys personally to grow in this? Uh, or what are some steps that you know we can take as a ministry community to get better at this? I'm a very emotional person. Oh my goodness. Um, and uh, uh, I have a wide range of emotions from super happy, like super positive emotions, all the way to like, really sad emotions and anger (laughs) and like it some days I some seasons in life and much of my life I feel like I'm on this emotional roller coaster um which is you know fun at moments right roller coasters are fun moments and terrifying at other moments (laughs) um and uh, uh I think with that like I enjoy feeling happy but I really don't like being in those negative emotions. Um, and so I've had to, like, I've had seasons just where 
been really hard and I want to escape from those emotions. And so doing things like binge watching, um, or other things like that. And that's not a healthy way to deal with my emotions because it just kind of numbs. Um, and, and maybe there's a moment, like, I think when we're experiencing intense emotions, there's times where we need like kind of an emotional break Mm -hmm. and a pause. Right. Yeah. Um, like, and that, that's okay. You know, and that can be really helpful for us. Kind of Nathan mentioned earlier about exercising can be helpful because it kind of releases some of that tension. And then I think it kind of, you're like, okay, you release a little bit of that tension and it's a little easier to engage. Um, but something is for me is learning to, to not escape and to recognize when I am and to differentiate between when I'm like just going to watch a show or read a book or do something or even hang out with friends can be a way of escaping for me. Mm -hmm. Um, for me to recognize, am I doing this to escape dealing with these emotions or am I just doing it maybe for a pause? Like if I, if it is a hard season, like maybe I just need an emotional break. So I'm just going to like watch one episode or read one hour for one hour or hang out with friends for a little bit, but then give myself space to process. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's been really important is for me to navigate is to see, am I just like overindulging or binging, um, on these things that help me numb. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and to not do that because that's, that just like presses it down and it, um, it ignores that there's a problem. Um, yeah. and I kind of detach from reality. Um, and so for me is like, okay, sometimes I get really emotional at night, usually like the negative emotions, the less, the less pleasant emotions at night. And sometimes it means, I need to just lay in bed and cry out to God and literally cry and mm-hmm. just be in bed. Not don't pick anything up to read. Don't watch anything like, and, and sometimes I'm like, God, I just want to fall asleep because I know in the morning I'll feel better because I just am more emotional at night. But, um, uh, but I think just being there like in that emotion and letting myself cry as painful as it is, um, as uncomfortable it is, as it is, um, and experiencing that. Um, and, um, yeah. So I think that's one thing for me is to not try to escape from those emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Crying is great. It's so important. It's so helpful. It's, it doesn't <laughs> usually feel fun, but it's so important. It's so helpful. And the, re- like, the, like, relief afterwards, sometimes it's like you just, you know... It's like you're walking around with like a ton of bricks in your backpack and then crying sometimes it's like chucking all of the bricks and the backpack in the trash and being like, wow, it's I didn't out. even realize I was carrying bricks. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Everyone should cry more often. Oh my goodness. Guys, it's okay to cry. You know how many times I have cried in the Kyle office or in my one-on-one with Christian? So many times. <laughs> Um, I have christened the office with my tears, so you're welcome, <laughs> current and future staff members, and any student who comes and hangs out in the office. Yeah. It's okay to cry. Hope has already done it many times. Many times. Many times. I think we all have at this point. <laughs> oh, no. It's good. I think crying is terrible. That's a lie. That is That's a lie. That is a lie. <laughs> no. The joke on staff is Nathan makes to be... 
Nathan likes to make people cry, it's and it's a real joke. It's so yeah. good, and it's kind of accurate. At it too. I know, I do. Like in a good way. But <laughs> <laughs> I just punch people, and they start crying. It's really easy. No. Um, Can I highlight one thing Hope said real quick? Yeah, great. I think um, what you were mentioning is like making space and time to mm-hmm. just process those. And I know for me and other people that I talk to, um, we're like, we really value efficiency. And so we're like, let me fill up every hour of this day. Um, people look at my Google calendar and get concerned for my life. Um, but I think that is something that we need to make time for um, and like have margin where, you know, that might be time to fill with other like per, like things that make you happy like there's a space for that yeah. um but i think being able to have that time set aside to be like okay if i'm like having a hard day this is a great time to like think through and process and be reflective mm-hmm. um and if that's not something that comes natural to you um like it doesn't to me i think that can be really helpful mm-hmm. yeah yeah so there's a lot of things um we can talk about if this forever. I know. Yeah, <laughs> if, but I think one thing I would I would say is if you would describe yourself as a less emotional person, I would still very much encourage you to explore this facet of your person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's may it might be true that you're less emotional. However, I've also met a lot of people who say they're less emotional, and they're actually very emotional. So I was having a one-on-one with someone and I was like, I kind of wanted to bring to his attention that he was actually a feeler mm-hmm. even more than anything else. And so I was like, hey, are you a thinker, feeler, or doer? And like, where would you rank yourself? And he's like, I think I'm a thinker, doer. And we had a conversation for a while and, and then I said some stuff and I was like, okay, how many of your thoughts are actually provoked by feeling and how much of the things you do so he has a lot of hands-on hobbies how many of those hands-on hobbies do you do to help you like process your feelings he's like oh i was like you're more of a feeler and he was like oh man and so i'm he is a very emotionally capable person i would describe him However, I've met a lot of people at OSU who would describe themselves as non-emotional people. And I'm like, you're actually extremely emotional. It's just that you're very pent up about it. Mm-hmm. And you're very fr- or f- afraid of it or um, just not taught how to deal with it. And so, like, it's just not even in your vocabulary, so to speak, to, to, yeah. to address it. So something very helpful that... M- Um, So speaking to that audience, um, something that might be helpful for you is to be like, hey, yeah, maybe I am more of an emotional person. Okay, just accepting that possibility. Also accepting the reality that you probably have emotions and it's just good to develop emotional health for however much emotions you have. If not for yourself, then maybe to help understand other people better, which is really good. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed with people who are less emotional, they tend to be very task-oriented people and very goal-oriented people. It might be helpful for you to set for yourself a goal of, hey, I'm going to grow in my emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. That's going to be my goal for a year. I did that 
so I would have said I would probably describe myself as less emotional, and my therapist would have laughed at me. Um, when but I was like, hey, I want to grow in emotional intelligence, and I did that for about two years. Yeah, and I still do a lot with emotional intelligence um, and growing in my emotions, setting myself that goal and being like, this is something I want to grow in with the very clear understanding of what an emotionally healthy person looked like. Mm -hmm. So I knew enough people, I think at that time, including Jesus, like having read a lot about Jesus, I was like, okay, there is, I experience all this anxiety, but there seems to be people that don't seem to deal with this as much. So that's what I'm trying to shoot for. That's your goal. Yeah. It's a little bit more nebulous, I know, than like, you know, finishing your homework by the end of the day or something like that. But you can set yourself that very practical goal. Okay. So once you've done that, set that very practical task goal. That a something that a friend of mine who was a philosopher, uh, uh, he was a friend of he is a friend of mine. He's wonderful. We met in a philosophy class. He um, had gotten a divorce. His wife asked him for a divorce. He was going through a lot of stuff, and he was just so heavy. And he went and saw this marriage counselor, and he was like, well, you've been emotionally abusing your wife. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. And then he went through this, and he was just wrecked. He was just like, mm-hmm. I had no idea I was hurting my wife. Um, because of reasons. I won't go into those, but one thing that this counselor who's very well known his name is Ken Nair and he's a Christian had him do was like he was like every day I want you to sit down with a journal I want you to write three emotions that you felt that day and write out why you felt them mm-hmm. and he it was just very simple very practical yeah. and he and my friend grew a ton over the course of a year mm-hmm. it's This is, okay, so for task, goal-oriented people, people who like getting, like, you know, experience points for shooting things online and stuff like that, (laughs) this is, the progress of this is very, very different. Mm -hmm. It's something that's slow, and you kind of have to pay attention to, hey, this is where I was when I started, and then six months later, you're going to be like, oh, actually, I'm much better at this. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that happened. It just did. And committing to, like, in that journal entry thing, it's very simple. You can do it probably in 15 to 30 minutes. But if you don't make the room for it, it won't happen. Yeah. And so one thing about goal and task-oriented people is that they can't understand how to make progress in this and what progress looks like. And so they don't make time for it. They think it's something that they can just put aside and it's like, well, I can do it later. It's like, no, you have actually repetition is the practice. It's yeah. the thing that's going to get you there. Um, that helped my friend a lot. Now, if, I'm just going to throw this out there as well, if you are a person that would describe themselves as very, very anxious, this is something you can do. I did this. My therapist, um, when I was dealing with a lot of anxiety, he was like, hey, Nathan, I want you on a scale of 0 to 10, for, for each number ranging from 0 to 10, write out a situation that is 10 being like extreme, like I am like freaking out in a panic anxiety. 
Zero meaning I have no anxiety. Describe an, a situation at each point in which you experience anxiety at that level. So zero, I'm asleep. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not experiencing anxiety while sure. I'm asleep. Um, and if you're experiencing, um, and then like it, I think at three, Oh, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I did this, but I had these like levels of like anxiety. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, it's what that helped me do is like, I can like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling anxiety. What kind of anxiety is it? How heavy is it? Oh, it's, it's getting up there. I need to figure out and manage that. I need to pull back from what I'm doing. I need to push things aside, push my tasks aside, push my pressures aside and like release. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if I, for me, my anxiety, when it gets to about a six, it's going to become a 10. I can't manage it after about six or seven. It's just going to spiral out and it's going to be terrible. Yes. Also, just talking about them is really helpful. Yes. Find people who are good listeners and they don't aren't afraid of emotions. Yay. Mm-hmm. People who like making people cry. <laughs> is that it? Hit, hit, Nathan? <laughs> I, yeah, I, your pastors would love to talk about your yes. feelings with you. Um, and believe it or not, talking is actually an extreme. It's just really helpful. Mm-hmm. It's really, really helpful. Yeah. Just, and if you're like, I don't, I don't know how to talk about this. Just start talking. Yeah. Just literally start talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, you'll eventually learn how by doing. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, mm-hmm. those are those are my yeah. tidbits. Yeah, I think too, like. Um, finding ways, like, yeah, to different ways to process. So, like Nathan mentioned, talking with somebody, talking with God. Mm-hmm. I think if you are, are like, afraid of talking to somebody, like, I think that's a place to grow in and get there. But I think you can just start by talking to God. He already knows what feelings you have. And especially when you're like, I don't even know what these feelings are, God God can identify each of them. He knows what Mm -hmm. they are. And so you can talk with him about that. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, for me, journaling is really helpful. I'm I'm very much an external processor. And so journaling is really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. I journal prayers to God. Like, I just journal to God Mm -hmm. as if I'm writing him a letter. Mm -hmm. It's something, a part of my um, daily devotional practice. Um, And sometimes it's really short. And other times it's, like, three pages um, in one morning. Um, But... Um, or like when I'm driving somewhere, I, if I'm by, especially if I'm by myself, sometimes I just talk aloud in my car to God or, um, movement is really helpful for me to process. So I like going on walks with people or talking to someone on the phone while I'm walking or just going for a walk. Um, it's kind of connects with that exercise that Nathan mentioned earlier of like releasing some of that tension. Um, um, but also like, it's just sometimes like I am kind of like stuck duck in my house or like just like yeah because I'm like not processing my emotions and I just need to do something and get out like almost kind of like I'm like stuck in this spot with my emotions and I just need to do something to step out and when I'm really emotional sometimes I'm like I don't even know ah and I'm like if I just go for a walk it can be Mm -hmm. a short walk it can be like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. sometimes it's all you have you know um uh, so that for me has been really helpful, but finding something that can just, um, like a place that you can process and it just sort of helps unravel some of those emotions. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're a more internal processor, 
I am kind of the opposite of that. So I don't know. But I think like even like finding a quiet space mm. for you to sit, like um, turning mm. off those distractions so mm. that you can just be there with your thoughts, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think about like if if you do exercise already and like maybe pick times where you don't listen to music or anything while you're exercising or you're doing it by yourself and just, you know, maybe not the whole time, but just if that if that's the place you need, like maybe you're so busy, you're like, I don't know when to do it, but you have time where you exercise, maybe like picking like 20 minutes of that exercise time or 10 minutes even like and just turning off any sort of mm-hmm. like music or podcast or whatever it is you um, and just processing through your day and through your week like what are the things going on and kind mm-hmm. of like Nathan had that checklist of like where what anxiety level he had but like kind of thinking through like what are the different things going on in my week mm-hmm. and how how am I interacting with those mm-hmm. you know um, figure out what language makes sense for you mm-hmm. I use the word feel a lot I'm, um, and uh, um, my yeah my expression my emotions can be kind of loud and so I'm familiar with them um, but you know like even just saying like like oh these different things like identifying the different aspects of your week um, and and just naming them and starting with that mm-hmm. um, can be really helpful um, and I think unpacking, unpacking those things, because it can be like when you have multiple things that are causing a lot of emotions, uh, they kind of all get together. I use this analogy with a friend like a couple months ago or something, but it's kind of like a stew, like you're making a soup or a stew and you put different things in it. And the longer they cook together, the harder it is to distinguish the different things that you put in there. Um and, and the different things you put in add different flavors, right? You put potatoes in, okay, all you have is potatoes. It tastes like potatoes. You throw onion in, that changes the flavor, right? And if, but if you taste it and you thought you just put potatoes in and you're like, why does it taste weird? It's because you didn't realize you'd put onions in from like this other <laughs> thing, right? Um, I love metaphors, so sorry if that was confusing. But like, you know, maybe potatoes is like how you're feeling about your studies, but then you didn't realize you had this weird conversation with a friend or you got some like news about your family. And that was an onion getting thrown in and you're like, why do I feel weird about my studies that were going well? And it's like maybe you are forgetting about this other thing or you're not realizing how your reaction to this other thing that came up in your week is Mm -hmm. impacting these other things so just kind of giving yourself time to sort of debrief what's going on in my week like Mm -hmm. what have I done yeah yeah when I think we're going to close here in a few minutes but um, I want to say like as you're learning to do this make sure you're creating a judgment-free zone for yourself yes don't judge your emotions dang it just Mm -hmm. let yourself recognize what they are Mm -hmm. um and i think that's really important right like we're talking about oh these positive emotions and then these negative emotions and i think when we say negative emotions then that can have a a, like a connotation of like oh i don't want to feel that or oh that shouldn't be there um which isn't true like don't don't judge the feeling that you're having just Mm -hmm. accept that it's there and then figure out where it's coming from and you're going to be able to work through that a lot better than mm. if you're like, oh, I shouldn't feel jealous of this person, right? And there is there is a sense of, you know, as Christians, okay, we're going to, like, work through that feeling and what we should do with it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're judging the emotional response that you're having, you're not going to make a lot of progress because you're not going to accept that that part of you is there. 
So then you can't deal with it. You have to accept that it's there in order to deal with it. Um, so I think that's really important. Just to comment about the judgment thing. Mm -hmm. uh, a reason not to judge your emotions is because the judgment usually itself is an emotion. And so it's just creating more emotions. Sure. So that's another reason not to do it. Mm -hmm. It's... You're just making <laughs> you're just making the internal space louder. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's like no, okay, mm -hmm. like just calm. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is just discovering like a sense of calm and being able to like see things mm -hmm. happen inside yeah. of yourself. So yeah. yeah, I think like along with that, right? You're trying to give yourself permission to feel these things, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I. I was always recommended, like, go read the Psalms. Like, mm -hmm. God has given us permission to have all these feelings about everything and to express that honestly to him. And the Psalms are a really good example of God's people expressing their feelings, which may not always be in alignment with God, what God actually wants, but they're allowed to, to have those feelings in prayer with him and bring those to his feet and say, hey, look, here's the mess of human life, and here's where I'm at right now. And then I'm going to choose to to lean into my relationship with you rather than hide this from you. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think too. Like we've talked a lot about emotional intelligence and ways we can grow in this. Um, I think we've talked a lot about how we process personally and what that looks like, and it is going to be individual um, for all of us. So figure out what's helpful for you. Mm -hmm. um, is that talking to a friend? Is that journaling? Yeah. Um, like include God in your process, include other people in your process. That's all really good. Mm -hmm. um, I want to close. I, I was recommended to read or rather to listen to a podcast um, that included this guy named Mark Brackett um, by my Christian counselor last year. Um, and he has a book called Permission to Feel. He's a researcher from Yale. Um, and he talks about these five skills um, for growing in emotional health. So I want to just name those because I think it can help us to see like okay, there is this aspect of we're trying to figure out how to navigate life, but there are actually different things that we can grow in. So some of us might be really good at one or two or three of these and have trouble with others. So I just want to name these because I think it's helpful to articulate, like, what are the different ways we can grow in our emotional health, especially in terms of ourselves, but also other people. So we'll close with this. Um, the first of the five skills, uh, and the whole acronym is RULER, so R-U-L-E-R. -E um, the first one is recognizing an emotion in yourself or someone else. Um, so that often is just from a change in emotion, like, oh, I'm in a situation, I'm having an emotional response. Or I'm looking at someone and their face has changed. Huh, they're having some kind of emotional response to something. Um, so it's noticing when that comes up and recognizing that. Um, the second skill is understanding its cause and how that may influence our thoughts and decisions. Um, so if I'm sitting in staff meeting and all of a sudden Hope looks really sad <laughs> and starts to disengage, right? I'm, I'm starting to try and understand, huh, okay, I'm thinking back in that conversation. What caused Hope to be really sad? Are we talking about cannibalism? Exactly. It, it, this, guys, this is like real situations that happen. Real situations. She's not making up stories. So. So, so that's the understanding piece. And I think we've talked a lot about those. 
Um, the L stands for labeling. So that's for labeling the emotion really specifically. Um, and that helps you become more self-aware of what you're feeling and how that's affecting you. Um, but it also helps us communicate that to others. So if I say, I'm happy, that's different than, I'm so excited about this thing. You're like communicating different things depending on the words that you use. Um, e is expressing, so that's knowing how and when to display emotions according to your social setting. Um, in some social settings, it might be appropriate for me to like talk about emotions one way versus in another one. Um, and then the last one is regulating. So that goes to the response piece of like um, both accepting and managing your emotions rather than ignoring them or helping other people to manage theirs. So that's like what you do with the way that you feel or how you help someone else navigate the way that they feel. So I hope that's helpful just to say, you know, there's different things that we can grow in in terms of our emotional health and that's great. <laughs> and none of us are experts at all of this. Um, but if you're looking for something to like um, figure out, oh, you know, maybe I'm really good at this one, but I want to grow in labeling emotions because a lot of us don't have a wide vocabulary to deal with that. That's something that you can do too. Yeah. Any last comments? Good. Um, I think one thing I was just thinking about is, um, and I think actually Cassie was mentioning this with the, the ruler skills, um, R-U-L-E-R, uh, was that it's, she mentioned like, this is recognizing and navigating emotions in yourself or in someone else. And I think one thing that can make it scary for us to deal with our emotional health is the idea of sharing with someone else and worrying about how are they going to respond to me sharing about my emotional, about my emotions. Are they going to, um, like see that my emotions are valid, even if they're not necessarily true, or are they going to try and dismiss or push aside or, or, um, yeah, we just maybe are, are not sure how are they going to deal, right? Like sometimes it feels like if I just start crying on this person, are they going to freak out and just kind of push back or, you know, or like tell me to, you know, um, sometimes we don't um, handle other people's grief very well. We're like, man, it's been five months. Why aren't you over this? And it's like, that's, that's not healthy. Actually, like mm -hmm. grieving the loss of a loved one takes a long time and it, it looks different for each person and it, you know, it kind of comes in waves. Anyways, that's getting into grief, but that aspect of it specifically. But I think, um, I just encourage us to emotional health, practicing this and growing this is not just for ourselves, but also for others. Um, and, and I think, um, so as we're recording this last night, Nathan spoke about Peter and John, um, encountering the, the beggar by the temple. And one thing that Nathan talked about was that um, Peter didn't, like, push the beggar to the background, um, didn't push this person that might make him feel uncomfortable because he's asking for something, um, or he's, like, uh, interrupting what Peter and John were going to do at the temple. Like, instead, he brings him to the foreground. And so I think... Um, that's part of why we create margin in our lives. It's not just to give ourselves space to process. That's mm -hmm. really important, but also for other people to interrupt our lives. Um, and as believers, it's so important, right? Like if somebody comes to me crying, I'm not always going to be able to give them an hour or more, but at least I can give them a few minutes. And maybe, maybe if I'm like, there is sometimes there's times where you are like, you have to go to whatever the next thing is, but um, oh, okay, I've got time later, 
But if we don't have any margin in our lives, we're just going to keep pushing people aside um, and margin in our time. But also, if we aren't dealing with our own emotional health, somebody coming to us crying might feel like, oh, no, this is going to trigger my mountain of emotions that I am not dealing mm-hmm. with. And so, um, like, let us, when we, when someone brings their emotions to us, um, those can be messy things and they can make us feel uncomfortable or it's like, is this person crying at a really inappropriate time or, you know, like, um, but just lovingly being with that person and, um, uh, yeah. And seeing that is like, this is a way to care for this person. Um, and I don't want them to feel like that their emotions are like, uh, need to be pushed aside Um, like I want to value them as a person as a whole being and part of their whole being is their emotions yeah Um, uh, and that's part of their image bearing of God is their emotions this is how we be good friends for the kingdom yes yeah all right that's a good note to end on thanks Hope Um, so thank you guys for talking with me today and if you're out there listening we hope that this episode has given you some tools to work toward becoming a healthier emotionally valid person (laughs) (laughs) feel free to email us with comments questions or topic suggestions at social at oregonstatexa.com or reach out to one of us in person have a great week and remember processing emotions in a healthy way is a skill that you can grow in with practice 